Hello, this is Dr. Jeff Craig, superintendent of West Aurora Schools, and welcome to episode number 28. Today's guest has been with the district for 22 years, but not all in a row. She has served as a special education teacher, a dean, assistant principal, and now our executive director of student and family services, Marty Nearing. Thank you for joining us today. Well, hello, Dr. Craig. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This is my very first podcast, so yeah. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it'll be a fun conversation. I'm excited about it. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about your uh, your career. Uh, I know you started here at Washington Middle School. I did. And what role were you in at Washington Middle School? So at Washington Middle School, I was um, 22 years old in 1994, and that's when I started student teaching in room 136 with supervising teacher Mrs. Barb Twos. Wow. From the Wayback Machine. From the Wayback Machine, yes. I'm not sure any of us want to go back to being 22-year-olds old again, but uh, it's, it has a good memory. It, it was a lot of good memories, absolutely. So um, you say there was a lot of good memories. So what kind of an impression did it leave on you? What, what, was the, what were some of the impacts that you experienced back then that uh, are memorable? Barb was an excellent uh, mentor teacher, and um, the, the general staff were also amazing, welcoming, um, but it was really the kids and their endless energy um, and their need for that, that special adult, that one trusted person that they could come to that really stole my heart. As only middle school kids can do. As only middle school <laughs> kids can do in a self-contained special education program. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know you then, but I knew you when you moved on to a different uh, path in District 308. Yep. And we spent some time together there interacting on a variety of uh, opportunities, as they say. We did. And then um, you found your way back to District 129. I did. So what was the draw? What was the, uh, the opportunity to return back to your roots Well, I think maybe a little bit about my story. After I had been in the dean role at Washington Middle School for four years, I had such great mentors, like I stated before, um, it was time to take that next step. But it was at a time in West Aurora where there weren't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of movement um, in the administrative ranks. Um, So I did make the decision to move on to that neighboring district and take an assistant principal role that I was, was offered. And then a few years later, the director of student services role became available at the district, which is when you and I first connected. But it was during that time that I was gone that I maintained my professional relationships with District 129. And I would come back and consult on things like central registration and alternative learning opportunities. So when District 129 posted the director position, I knew that it was a no-brainer. It was it was time to, to put in for that and to to come home. So a uh, couple of probes there. I know the the alt ed uh, alternative education and special education have a have a special uh, passion for you, and it's, even today as part of your responsibilities, you oversee our alternative offerings, mm-hmm. um, all the way up through our transition programs, our our twenty two year olds. You know, one of the challenges, and I and I've been a I don't want to say on a negative side, but on a positive side, I've had the opportunity to pursue my aspirations, which takes you to different districts and experience those different uh, environments. So when you came back here, what was what was that experience like coming back here and being able to serve in an area that 
all of those passions and all of your expertise, whether it's through working as a dean, special education, alternative ed, and now they're all in one job responsibility and back where you had your start. What was that like? No, it was really exciting. And, and when I came back, the role wasn't exactly all of those things. It grew over time. Okay. Um, so when I came back, I was primarily working with our um, administration on student discipline and the central registration. Um, so it wasn't until later on, a couple of years later, that the alternative ah, education okay. came into play, sure. school safety came into play, and then things just started to grow from there. As the needs of the district and the needs of communities, not only ours, but our surrounding have changed. 100%. Yeah, and we're going to get into that a little bit as yep. well, because I think, um, you know, that school safety aspect has has really dramatically changed in the past 10 years, uh, probably even um, accelerated in the last five, mm -hmm. just given, I mean, everyone sees on, on the news, you know, the different uh, school shootings and the mass shootings. Um, and then how do we keep our multiple buildings safe, our staff, our students? So let me dig a little bit on that, that school safety piece. Sure. Um, let's talk about what is our what is our school safety functions look like here in D one twenty nine? What are some of the things that we do to make sure, to the best of our ability, to keep our our schools safe? Well, I think probably one of the things that I am most proud of um, is that we were able to install a school safety officer who was able to come and work alongside of me to help provide those protocols for our buildings and our processes and procedures and how we would respond if there was a significant crisis. Sure. And then as Kevin Triplett and I continued to work together, we established um, alongside of some of our community partners that common language to make sure that when we're communicating with our staff and our students, that we're giving them a very clear and concise message so that they have the ability to make a decision that is best for them to keep them safe. Yeah, and I, you know, just to highlight, I know, I mean, we used to do uh, uh, severe weather drills. You know, you'd always have the, the tornado drill and you'd have the all the other pieces that the state required that you had to do a fire drill and you had to evacuate in a certain amount of time. That's dramatically changed about how we go about and think about keeping our kids safe. You know, I think our, our parents of our kids never had to go experience this when they, were, when they were in schools. And I think that's something that it's hard for them to wrap their head around about when you talk about reunification strategies, when we talk about um, uh, armed uh, assailants coming into our buildings, when you think about having to go through a raptor system to prove who you are and that you're safe to come into our building. Mm -hmm. Those are steps that we never had to think about before. So can you talk a little bit about some of our processes that are in place? And I don't want to give away our playbook, but mm -hmm. certainly some of the things that we go through that are probably dramatically different. So our parents that are listening to this have a better understanding of some of the steps that we take to keep our kids safe. Sure. You know, I think it starts with um, when someone comes to our building. Um, I think that you now notice the secure vestibules. So parents come up to our door, they, they ring the bell, we ask who they are, we ask who they're there to see, we, we ask some prompting questions. So nobody walks in, just walks in the building? No one should just be walking in a building. And then we have parents come up to our, our front desk and we ask them to present their ID and we scan them in through Raptor. And part of that is because we are wanting to make sure that the person that we're scanning in is the person that they say they are. Absolutely. And we also want to make sure that when we scan them into our building, that we're able to account for them if there is a crisis. 
So it's kind of twofold. Sure. And so when there when there are crises, which there invariably are, mm. and that can you know that can approach the continuum of maybe it's a a, a physical health issue in, in the building that it's a crisis, or um, maybe there's a, an altercation, or there might be a, a variety of things. And our communication, you know, we've got you know Ana Gonzalez is sitting right here, and and part responsible for pushing those communication pieces out. Talk a little bit about the changes in how we communicate and some of the things that we talk about that common language. Sure. So back in the way back day, uh, we used to use code words like code red Ah. or soft lockdown, hard lockdown. Um, I remember when I first started here, the code was Dr. Eagle has lost her keys. Yeah. Um, so those were our code words. And then you have to go into the playbook and figure out what that... Correct. Then yeah. you have to have the playbook in front of you yeah. to understand what that really means. And you have no idea how to respond to that. So back to that common language, we use statements like staff and students, we are going to secure the building and teach because there was an accident at the corner of Pennsylvania and Illinois, sure. and police are responding to that. We need to make sure we keep everybody inside while while they're and able that, to do that. That language, those words are very prescriptive. It's not like you have to guess. We're securing the building, hold, and teach. So it gives them really clear directions, correct. right? Correct, correct. Or we're going to come back and we're going to say um, that we're going to, you know, hold in place and teach. Sure. So we're holding in a classroom um, because maybe there's a medical emergency in the hallway or like you alluded to, maybe a couple kids had a disagreement (laughs) and we need to keep things, you know. They decided to express themselves in the hallway. They did. Yeah. So, but we provide that information to our staff and our students again so that they can make an educated decision on how to respond. We give them that information. It's the same thing with severe weather. When we have a severe weather situation, we ask our administration or any of our staff members who get that message first because they all have the ability to log in from their phones to say, we are under a tornado watch at this time. We are going to move to our severe weather locations and duck and cover. So you've taken the curtain and shoved it aside, unlocked the code for everybody and just said, here's what we want you to do. Here's what we want you to do. And because we know that we will never, ever be able to communicate faster than our kids with their technology, their devices and social media, we want to provide them with that information and so that they can then provide their parents with that information. So moms and dads and guardians know that their kids are safe and being taken care of. Awesome. You know, and I think that's really important that, that we're really clear about what we want folks to do. You know, they don't have to guess at it anymore. And that way it helps keep everybody on the same page, right? Yep. 100%. 100%. So a little bragging here. You talked a little bit about uh, the addition of bringing on our school safety officer with Kevin Triplett. Mm-hmm. Kevin's got a, a vast experience in law enforcement and uh, first responders. Our steps and our measures, you talk about the Raptor, you talk about all the drills, you talk about some of the, the common language, but some of our steps and measures have transcended just District 129. Um, you think about our three different municipalities with Montgomery and North Aurora and Aurora police and fire and first responders. Who else have you engaged and, and what do those engagements look like when we're trying to develop not only a common language, but common, common communication, uh, common processes, uh, all of those pieces so that if we have somebody from a neighboring community come in, uh, we're all on the same page immediately. 
Yeah. Well, you know, the buck doesn't stop here in West Aurora. So we reach out to our, um, our surrounding school district communities, our parochials, our police departments, fire departments, emergency management agencies, regional office of education, and we all come together and we come together on a monthly basis and we have those conversations. We talk about what the trends are, what's going on in the community, what kind of things, you know, are we seeing? How are we addressing them? How can we do better the next time? Um, And we just keep that line of communication open. That's how you establish relationships. What you never want to happen is that you have, you have a major crisis and you're introducing yourself to the people who are going to help you no strangers. On, that, on that day. We do not want to have any strangers. Absolutely. You know, I think of just a recent story, um, shout out to Sergeant Tom McNamara um, in one of our most recent school safety meetings. Uh, he was just talking about um, school entrances and he referenced, you know, when, when parents come to door one or door 16A um, at West Aurora High School, that just spoke volumes to me because I know that Sergeant McNamara knows the main entrances sure. to our high school. And he's responsible for a variety of buildings. And he's responsible for a variety of buildings in a variety of districts and all the school resource officers in Aurora. Yeah, that's, you know, and I, and I want to just to kind of, you know, put an exclamation point. I think we started, I think, of course, from my perspective, I think a lot of the impetus of the, the the commonality started after Pratt, where we saw there was some egregious errors across the region mm-hmm. in terms of how we communicate, uh, what we communicate, where we get information, how we share information. And I think we built from a small cadre. Um, can you describe what that first initial sets of groups that meant uh, met on a monthly basis and then where we are today? Yeah, so we started talking. There were five or six of us at a table. And now our group can be up to 70 to 80 wow. people at one time. And what's so awesome about that is if something happens here in District 129, like I know that any of our surrounding partners can come here and they're speaking the same language, they're saying the same things, and they can come and take over for us if they had to. And we can do that for them. So why do you think that group grew so quickly and continues to sustain that size? You can even pat yourself on the back a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> because I, you know, I, think, I think some of that comes from, if it's kind of like being in a classroom. If you don't have yeah. something valuable to offer, the kids aren't going to be there or not going to come on time. Sure. If there's something valuable that you bring to the table in terms of how we go about communicating to parents and staff and students, what we do in certain crises and how we go about that, I think people attract to that. Yeah, I, I, I do believe in relationships, and I think that that's probably where it came from. I'm also probably can be considered pretty pushy. Um, so, you know, when I have an idea, I want it to come to fruition. Sure. And so I just kept reaching out and inviting people and bringing additional people in. And the conversation just continued to get more and more rich. And, um, you know, I think we're, we're in a good place now. That's awesome. Well, congratulations and thank you, because I know that that's important, not only for our district, but our, our surrounding communities as well, because that uh, uh, takes a village, or in this case, several. It does. So we're, we um, appreciate that. And it really, really is. It really is a village. Like I do really, even on the Pratt day, yeah. my first two phone calls after the initial word that you and I received sure. were from two surrounding districts asking if we needed any support. That's awesome. And we just grew from there. And we just grew from there. 
So I'm going to go back to a comment you made early on in our conversation. You talked about having that one trusted adult. Um, I think the philosophy that you know we've probably both shared to many of our uh, our staff and our parents and and many of our uh, public conversations is about we want every one of our students to have at least one adult that they can go to. Can you talk about why that's important and then how does that impact the effectiveness of school safety? Schools have always been that place um, in the community where people can come to, to celebrate, celebrate our kids. And it should be, and it should always be that way. We want a kid who comes into our building, or a parent, or anyone for that matter, to feel like there's a sense of belonging, that they're connected to that building. We want a kid to be able to approach, you know, whether it's the school bus driver who's the first or last person they see um, on a daily basis, a teacher, the person who hands them their lunch, the crossing guard out front. Um, we want them to be able to approach them if there's something going on that they need to talk about. You know, we say the, the tag words, see something, say something Absolutely. all the time, but we really need to live by that. If a student or a staff member or someone feels like there's something that they're, they're seeing or they're hearing that doesn't make them feel good, we want them to report it. So when they report that, it gives us the ability to get out in front of some things, and that leads into our Safe and Secure School Initiative. You know, I think it's good for parents to hear and even staff because you don't have to be in any official role to be able to be that trusted adult. You know, you can play any role in our community and every, any role in our in our organization that if that student feels that they have a, a link to you and they can come to you in a time of need, that, that's helping that kid. Absolutely. I know we've talked about some of our, our tag words like um, every student should have a trusted adult. If you see something, say something. If there was um, a takeaway for any of our parents or guardians today, what would you want them to hear about school safety? I really want them to hear that I believe in our district, first of all. I believe in our district, I believe in our community, um, and I believe in our kids. And I believe that our kids want to come to learn in safe environments. Absolutely. I also believe that parents are probably our strongest partner. And I think if there's a message that I want them to hear today is that we need them as much as they need us. And so I really would like to see that partnership continue to grow and strengthen. You know, we've had some situations recently, and I know parents have had messages about kids bringing things to school yeah. that are not on the school supply list, right? So I really would like to have parents checking those backpacks, those kind of, of things that can be um, perceived as a weapon or are a weapon or could disrupt the educational environment are just not okay to have at school. So if we could get parents on board to, to check what their kids are bringing before they come to school, I think that would be very helpful. Yeah, just, I would put an exclamation point to that. Just our, our parents have got to be part of the solution with us. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the last few years, we, we've taken some, some, uh, some hits. And I mean, we, as in public education, and you know that I've uh, kind of picked up the, the battle cry in terms of elevating the conversation around public education in West Aurora schools. From your vantage point as the Executive Director for Student and Family Services, probably drawing across the continuum of your career, mm -hmm. what do you want parents to know about public education today? You know, I want them to know that people come to work every day 
to show up for their kids. Ah, that's huge. They show up for their kids. In, in my world, we're making sure everyone is registered, making sure that they have those, the things that the school supplies that they need, removing barriers, making sure that when we are dealing with certain discipline situations, that we're doing that with empathy and integrity, you know, making sure that we have multiple places for kids to learn. You know, a big comprehensive building with 3,700 students isn't always the right place for everyone. Sure. So we have alternative options. You know, we're making sure that we are keeping our buildings safe and healthy with our student health department. So we have a variety of people who just really show up for kids every day. And I think that that's the message that I want to display to parents. It's a really positive message, and so I'm glad you were able to share that. You know, I want to I want to tag back on a little bit as well. You've talked about your your original responsibilities in District 129 as uh, as teacher and dean and AP, and then when you came back, you started working with student discipline, and then you morphed into some of our alt ed and working with our school safety, and so that list of responsibilities continued to grow and to morph a little bit. You know, when somebody sees a title like Executive Director of Student and Family Services and they go, hmm, what what would I go to this person for? So can you give us a a, a description, as much detail as you want or feel like is appropriate about what are you responsible for? What does your responsibilities transcend? So I think I can probably summarize that in just a few words. Um, I really see myself as a liaison as a thought partner and a problem solver. Mm. And I'm there for our kids, our staff, our parents, my colleagues. I think that's, uh, you know, when people think about that, they go, well, geez, you know, how do you get certified in problem solving? And and how do you uh, train and go to school for thought partners? So it's an interesting distilling of your responsibilities when you talk about that, but you have to be more global in that because you do, there's lots of details within each one of those that you could drill down. Um, because I've, I've seen you, I've worked with you from my perspective in the chair of principal, and now work with you from my perspective in my chair as superintendent. And know that uh, whether it's a high school issue at 10 o'clock and it could be an elementary issue at one o'clock. And uh, those challenges, those problem solving and thought partner skills are dramatically different for each. So I think that's it's probably a great summary of kind of what you do, and it certainly doesn't cover everything you do, but uh, we thank you for what you're doing. Thanks. I, I believe in service, and I believe in this district and the people who work here, the people who come to school here, the people who live here. Awesome. Well, I think your messages have been, even on some difficult topics, have been extremely positive, and I think people listening to this will take away and think, Oh, so the people, there are people that are dedicated to providing those services for all of our folks in the district. So um, I personally want to extend my appreciation and thanks for all that you bring to the table. Well, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. And thanks for being to here help today. people. Thanks. Appreciate the discussion. And I would ask that you please remember you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, including iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and the TuneIn Radio app. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>